how can you not be romantic about baseball? Bring it a high drive to left. This baby's way back. It is out of here. I don't believe what I just saw. Coswell slashes one foul. Oh, that hit a bird, and it bounces back into fair territory. Oh, I gotta, I gotta check the rule book on this one, folks. I'm too drunk taste this chicken. Our ass is in the jackpot now. You're listening to Booze and Baseball. There's 50 feet of crap. And then there's us. A baseball first podcast, sort of, featuring Derek Johnson. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. And Dusty Baker. I heard that. Dynamite drop-in money. That broadcast school has really paid off. So sit back and enjoy the talk around the diamonds with a cold one in hand. Today's secret ingredient is... I love scotch. I love scotch. Scotch has got scotch. Here it goes down. Down into my belly. You are listening to Booze in Baseball with Eric Johnson and I'm Dusty Baker. Pull up a seat and sit with us at our bar and let's talk some ball. Derek, happy new year. Happy birthday. We are back, my friend. Yes, we are. New year, new me, new baseball, new other things. We made it a goal before this show that we were going to experiment with new drinks. We're going to experiment by, you know, giving you guys advice and also um, kind of giving reviews once again. So that's how we're going to start out the show. Uh, Derek, what are you drinking to start off this new year, new show? I'm going to go with a little bit of a gin and tonic. So we got the ice and the cup. We got some tonic water. This is a uh, premium Indian tonic water. I have never had this type of tonic water, but nice little small can. So it makes my hands feel big. Uh, I'm just going to pour some of that in there. And then we got Hendrix gin, which I think is the best type of gin. This is the lunar gin though. So this is kind of like a, uh, uh, what is the word? Like lavender type of taste of a gin. Got the little cork on it. It would smell. You get that kind of lavender taste. Yeah. That sound pop was nice. Yeah. Pour it in there. Let's see that. Pour it up a little bit. And. I mean, it just looks it just looks clear because it's gin, the tonic, it's all clear with ice. But what makes um, that your choice? What, what's the choice? The reason why you chose that gin? So the the Hendrix specifically, I just think Hendrix has really good stuff. I actually, uh, me and my wife had a uh, fun night hanging out with some friends, and they were really into gin. And, and we're not like super into gin, but they let us try a bunch of their different. They're, like they're they're super into it. So they had you know seven different types, and they gave us a little taster of each, and we got to try them all. And this lunar one was our favorite. It's like I said, kind of got that lavender taste. Like it's, it's kind of a, I don't know, a, a nice flowery aroma for a gin, which uh, again, I'm not like totally into gin, but with this, I, I think it's pretty good because it covers up some of the stuff. Down the road, we're going to do a podcast uh, actually at a live location and uh, where they actually pride themselves on making gin that'll be in san luis obispo and one thing that they have they have a lavender flavored gin so that'll be interesting to kind of try that that's a good way to start the new year derek uh, i had a listener actually hand me one of these really awesome <laughs> bottle openers right here uh it is a corona extra bottle opener naturally i had it open this with a beer um i had a listener recommend to me that i try the voodoo ranger derek have you ever tried the voodoo ranger before no i have not 
I, I've never either, and it's a new Belgium drink, Imperial Ale. Once in the probably the most interesting thing about this, and I have never actually personally tried this, but it is a nine percent alcohol ratio. So I, I'm interested to see how well that flows. We're gonna use this Corona opener, beautiful opener right there, um, and uh, I'll give it a shot here. Honestly, I mean, it looks like any other new Belgium beer. So, dude, you would never know that there's nine percent alcohol in this thing. You would never know. Uh, this will probably kill me by the end of the show. That's awesome. Uh, what a way to start out, though, Derek. And uh, just with that in mind, before we get into our baseball happenings here, let's do a cheers real quickly to our New Year's resolutions. What is your resolution and uh, what, what are you hoping for in 2023? I actually didn't have a New Year's resolution. I, I, I did the if you set the bar low, you you, you for sure cross over it thing. Uh, but I'll do a, I'll do a baseball related one. I my New Year's resolution is to watch less Giants games because Farhan's eighty has made it less fun. Cheers to that. <laughs> Cheers to you doing that. I would say for myself, uh, one New Year's resolution that I've had, you know, this past year I did a lot of writing. Um, we've done these podcasts and whatnot. I, I think my resolution is try to get our audience as you know involved in this podcast as possible um, to be able to you know, really bring in what they're wanting to listen to. And and so if you're listening, um, we want you to reach out. We want you to be able to give us some questions, some advice. And my resolution is to kind of, you know, stir the pot and uh, get your brains going out there. So resolution, let's make booze and baseball even better here in 2023. Cheers to that. Cheers. With booze and baseball in 2023, starting it out, Derek, we're going to take a chug and look back at its stat. January the 18th is the day of recording. So we're going to look at January the 18th of 2018. Now, I want to preface this, Derek, by saying there are still a few good free agents out there, right? Not big names, but there are a few that you can definitely add to your team, your roster, that could potentially have an impact. So on January 18th of 2018, the Washington Nationals, on a two-year deal worth just $7 million, signed Howie Kendrick. Little did we know, Derek, that just a year later, he would have arguably the biggest hit in Nationals history to help propel them to a World Series champion against the Houston Astros. Yeah, they definitely got their bargains worth on that one. Um, it's just, I, I like it when you have like veterans who teams give contracts to where they don't necessarily have to be the guy. Like Howie Kendrick at that point with the Nationals was no longer the guy we remember from when he was just a stud with the LA Angels. But like he still has value, whether it's just the veteran presence in the locker room, still being able to you know hit the ball pretty well, and and he was so clutch for them over the course of that postseason. I think uh, it really speaks well to you know you never know who the hero is going to be in the postseason, and having those veteran guys can really help you. One of those deals that I'm interested in seeing, you know, the Red Sox just got Adam Duvall on a short deal. Uh, the Red Sox got Justin Turner. Watch the Red Sox make some wild turnaround here, and these tiny little deals nobody's talking about could be the difference maker. And that's because you get veteran leadership. You get guys that have been there and done that. And Howie Kendrick is the perfect example of that. So while people necessarily may not be believing in the Red Sox this year, I just want to point that team out in particular. They've made some interesting moves um, that if they do find a way to maybe catch heat early on in the season, they've got guys that have that leadership, that have that experience like Howie, Hen Howie Kendrick did for the Nationals. And, and remember, the Nationals nobody saw coming in 2019. So these tinier deals, the Cubs getting Trey Mancini, I, I just, 
I think that they play a bigger role than people realize. So good for Howie Kendrick for being able to turn a two-year, $7 million deal into becoming a legend, really, for the Nationals, a team that had no history. He's got to be one of the more prolific faces as far as what he was able to accomplish in that 2019 postseason. Now, moving on to the 2023 season, Derek and I did a drink-off for Civil War edition, meaning each of us was trying to get 10 cups by nailing 10 players correctly with where their free agency would lie. We did not do very well there. We're going to look at the review of this one, but we did not each get to 10 cups combined. So that was rough. Uh, I went three and 21. Derek, you went four and 20. Now, according to our rules, we had 20 free agents. We started adding a few more. We ended up with 24 free agents that we picked. That didn't help us much. Each free agent was a correct cup. Knockout was 10 cups. It's a drink for every cup knocked off. You beat me by one shot. And it's a shotgun beer for the loser on the following show. So I lost, meaning next show, I'm going to have to shotgun to start out. So beware and be ready of that. I lost by one cup. And uh, at the end of the day, I'm okay with it. We we didn't do a very good job, Derek. But at the end of the day, we're going to break down some of these. Uh, but before we even do, were you surprised by how this free agency went? Um, I was definitely surprised how big some of the contracts were to, to some of the players and how long they were. But no, I mean, I, I don't think we should beat up on ourselves too hard. I mean, I know it sounds horrible going like four and 20, for instance, but like you think about it from the standpoint of each player, there's 30 teams in the MLB. And that means you have a one in 30 shot of getting the right team they go to. Now you can use educated guesses to be like, well, of course, the Baltimore Orioles were never going to bid on Aaron Judge. And so those ones become a, a little easier and you narrow those down to typically you can be between like five to 10 teams on any given free agent. But like there are certain players in there, like, for instance, uh, Noah Syndergaard, you could have had like 20 or 25 different right. teams that he could have gone to. So um, it's it's just hard to, to figure out if you, you nail it down to one team. But uh, yeah, not not the best showing. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think we nailed some of the big ones like we nailed Trey Turner. I got yeah. Aaron Judge. Yeah. I got Dansby Swanson. Yeah. We got um, six Carlos Correa. I think I think we should just call Carlos Correa a wash because he tried to sign with every MLB team. Yeah, at this point, we basically got Correa, right? Technically, we got six of 24 correct combined, which, you know, that 25% and uh, not really having any inclination. I mean, 25% is pretty good combined when you consider that there are 30 teams each of these players can sign with. So the odds are literally one in 30. Uh, probably one in 29 for most of these guys, if you're discounting the teams that they're already playing with. But um, yeah, you know, you're right. Six of 24 is pretty solid. We're going to go down that list for each. And then next week, well, I'm going to hate myself because I'm going to have to shotgun a beer at the start of the show. So I will owe that and I will pay my dues. Uh, But we start with Aaron Judge. As you mentioned, you picked him to go to the Yankees. I picked him to go to the Giants. We were both on course with that. He goes to the Yankees. Did that seem like the logical reasoning for you at the start was just the return? Yeah, it was just the return. It seemed like he wanted to be a Yankee. And I, I think in the end, that's what bared out to be. He got more money offered from the Padres, same amount of money offered from the Giants. He had the option to be a captain and, and go back to New York. I, I think that was just kind of the story all the way. Trey Turner went to the Philadelphia Phillies. Both of us picked that because it seemed like a logical fit. I think that you and I were kind of on the same wavelength that his addition to that offense just makes them a lethal powerhouse possibly and maybe one of the best offenses if not the best offense in the entire league 
Yeah, I love it. You have all the power. Now you have a guy who's going to get on base, steal bases right in front of him. It's just only going to increase run production for guys like Bryce Harper and Kyle Schwarber that much more. Xander Bogarts went to the Padres. I picked him to go to the Dodgers, and Derek picked him to go to the Cubs. Derek, you were on the right path, and we'll talk about this in just a second, with a Cubs shortstop signing. I was not even close. The Dodgers, of course, bringing in Miguel Rojas to replace Trey Turner. Xander Bogarts instead of the Padres, a very interesting signing right there because, of course, you have Fernando Tatis Jr., but he's out for the first 42 games. They signed him for 11 years. Maybe this is their way of saying, hey, Fernando, keep your eyes out and stop making mistakes early on or you will be replaced in some capacity and, and pushed to the outfield too. I, you could have given me 10, 15, maybe 20 guesses. I would not have got this one. I would have not have thought that they would have given him this giant contract and, and push into the luxury tax, but good for the Padres. And I'm really interested to see how that works out. I, I think it does signal to me more likely though, that Juan Soto is eventually going to be a free agent and they're not going to have enough money to, to resign him. So they're basically trying to uh, take advantage of that window for, for how long they have Juan Soto for. It's interesting with the Juan Soto argument, too, because, you know, people are saying and reports are out there that they're going to try and throw the house at Otani. So you would imagine they're going to have to decide between one or the other. There's no way that they can reel in both. I just I cannot feasibly see that happening when you already have Machado on the books and now Bogart's on the books. But, you know. You've seen the Padres in the past. They they seem to surprise us all. So moving on to that shortstop, though, that I was alluding to, Dansby Swanson signing with the Chicago Cubs. I picked him to re-sign with the Braves. You picked him to sign with the Cubs. What gave you that inclination? Was it the wife? No, it was not. This was just – I felt like the Cubs were going to get one of the big shortstops. And so this is why I predicted both Bogarts and Swanson. I didn't think both would end up there. I just thought one of the two would. So I kind of hedged my bet a little bit there. But it just made sense. They needed kind of a, a big pickup signing to get everybody excited over there in Chicago after a down year. Uh, they made some other signings as well, but this was kind of the big one, and they needed a shortstop. So this made a lot of sense to me. The Correa one is interesting. So we both obviously picked for Correa two different teams. I picked him to go to the Dodgers. You picked him to go to the Yankees. Instead, what happened, he didn't go to the Dodgers. He originally signed with their rivals, the Giants. He then, of course, has the fallout with the Giants. So then what does he do? He signs with the Yankees rival, the Mets, and that falls out too. So where does he end up? Right back where he started from, the Minnesota Twins. I don't really know what to say about this guy, Derek, outside of are the Twins making a mistake with this signing? Does it make sense? I mean, they kind of, even though they had him, it feels like they really never had a shot at him. No, I I think it's funny now, though, because you're going to look at his like baseball reference page or his baseball card. And it's just going to say Minnesota. You'll just have thought that after he left Houston, he signed like a seven-year deal with Minnesota. And in fact, all this craziness happened. I would just assume, though, I mean, if the Twins are comfortable giving him – they're the team he was just on. They had his medicals. They dealt with him for a year. I, I feel like he's going to be okay. I, I guess only time will tell on this one. Like, and that's kind of the case with all the free agent signings, but a lot of the times with the free agent signings, it's like we're getting short-term value and losing long-term money. But like with this one, it's, it's the ultimate risk and we have no idea what's going to happen with his, his injury. Yeah, I'm interested to monitor it. A lot of people are saying this is a huge risk for the Twins. And I mean, you understand why when two major organizations sign the guy, look at his medicals, and then let him walk. I, it is a very bizarre situation. 
I don't think I've seen anything like it before. So as you kind of mentioned right there, time will tell with Correa. Um, I, I don't really have an opinion yet on this. I'm just going to have to watch this. One thing that is interesting to me, though, the Twins draft pick this past year was Brooks Lee. So with this in mind, does Correa shift over to DH? Does he play third base in the future? Is he their shortstop? I don't know. Long term, I don't know. It's a very weird situation um, because they've got Royce Lewis, too, who will be coming back from injury. So I, I, it's just a lot of pieces don't quite connect for me on this one, but clearly for the Twins, they do. So I, I'm not sure what your take on that is, but I just think the young guys coming up, I, I they're going to either have to find a new position or Correa will be finding a new position. Yeah, I, I think when you're a team like the Twins – like maybe if you're the Yankees, you get a little picky. But when you're a team like the Twins, if some big star player wants to sign with you, you, you figure it out later. You, you figure out how everybody works out together later. If somebody can play third, if somebody can play second, who's going to DH? Uh, you deal with it later. Correa is a really good player. He's really good in the field. I'm sure wherever you move him, I'm, I'm assuming he'll be short this year. But the same with like Royce Lewis, like good athlete. I'm sure he can figure out playing second base if you need him to. You and I did not see this one coming. The Cubs signing Wilson Contreras did not happen. Both of us picked that to happen. What does he do? He does sign with the rival, the St. Louis Cardinals. It, you know, looking at it now, it doesn't seem surprising at all. It, it was a great fit. It's a great signing. And the Cardinals just cemented themselves, in my opinion, as the NL Central favorites. Yeah, I think if you would have given us both a second guess, we would have probably both taken the Cardinals. There was a lot of kind of scuttlebutt about that. And with Yadier Molina leaving that they could pick up someone like him, we just kind of figured, oh, they didn't trade him at the deadline. Like, obviously, that means they're really interested in re-signing him. They won't let him get away. That didn't end up happening. I, I love this for the Cardinals. Yeah, like you said, I think they're the NL Central favorites. And I was really in on them last year. Unfortunately, they ran into the Phillies in the wild card round. I still am in on them this next year, too. If you're a team that has a free agent at the end of the year and you don't trade them at the deadline, take this as a sign right here. Okay. The Cubs don't trade Wilson Contreras. The Rockies, of course, never traded Trevor Story when they should have. And, and so what down. happens? They sign elsewhere. They they sign elsewhere. Yeah. Carlos Rodon with the Giants. They could have yep. got a, a giant haul. We saw other pitchers go at the deadline for for big returns back. And I, I don't know what the Giants are doing. Anyway. Can't figure that one out either. We'll get to that one in a sec too. Jose Abreu, this one surprised me. And uh, we I picked him to go to the Mets. I thought that was a pretty decent fit as a DH. You picked him to go to the Padres, which honestly, seeing that they signed Nelson Cruz, that was a pretty good guess. Instead, he goes to the reigning champion Houston Astros. Is this lineup now better with him, Derek? Man, I, that's a tough question because you would assume that Jeremy Pena – it's even better in year two. Then again, we've seen players have sophomore slumps. So I guess it'll kind of depend on that. Altuve getting another year older, but Kyle Tucker getting more into his prime. Jordan Alvarez getting more into his prime. That's an interesting question. I, I think it might be a little bit better. I, I, I love what Jose Abreu does. And, and the one thing that he couldn't get going last year was home runs. Being in that ballpark, that's going to help him with some of those home runs. So yeah, it might be a little better this year. I'm scared of that lineup. I can see them repeating just because of that, even with the loss of Verlander. A couple more outfielders that we got to talk about. One that you're very probably happy about, I would assume now, would be Michael Conforto. Uh, I picked him to sign with the Mets, re-signing with that organization, despite being off this past year with the injury. You picked him to go to the Red Sox. Instead, he goes to your grounds, Derek. He is going to be playing in San Francisco. 
Yeah, I, I like the move in a vacuum. And I think once Correa left, he was like the the last good hitter on the market. So it made too much sense for them to go out and get him. Was a little interesting that he's a Scott Boris client and that they were able to overcome that with the Correa stuff and, and work it into Conforto. I, every Giants contract they gave out was like basically so player friendly, though. They for Ross Stripling, for Michael Conforto. Um, they did it with somebody else too. I can't remember who, but they gave the second year was a player option. Sean Manaya. Uh, yeah, yeah, Sean Manaya. Sean Manaya. They, they gave the second year a player option to where they can opt out if they have a good enough season. But if they stink this year, then they can come back and make a lot of money. So I, I don't totally get that side of it, but I think this is a good buy low on Conforto. Who uh, let's not forget, like two years ago. So last year he missed. Year before he had kind of a down year. Year before that, he was one of the best hitters in the National League. So we'll see what they can get out of him. Dodgers signing J.D. Martinez. I picked him as just kind of a random one to go to the Orioles. I saw him kind of replacing Trey Mancini in that role. You picked him to go to the Mariners. I feel like we kind of had the same wavelength there that he's going to go to a place that he can DH and probably be somewhere in the heart of the order. You know, the Dodgers making a lot of sense because the hitting coach that, you know, I pride myself on, I actually hit with Robert Van Skoyak. He is the L.A. Dodgers hitting coach, and he is analytical as they get out there. Launch angle, he's one of the first people to coin that. I remember hitting with him as a high school player, and he mentioned this term launch angle, and I had no clue what he was talking about. Down the road, he, of course, hits with J.D. Martinez, Chris Taylor, guys like Austin Barnes, Mookie Betts, and J.D. Martinez kind of fits that mold, of course. He's the one that built J.D. Martinez. So him coming back to L.A., I should have seen this one coming. This one making a lot of sense for L.A. Makes a ton of sense. Losing Justin Turner. I think Martinez, obviously a different position, but can come in in the lineup and, and produce kind of the same stuff that, that Turner did. Maybe a higher ceiling on Martinez, but I think the floor might be a little bit lower, too. Yeah, I agree on that. And uh, then you have Andrew Benatendi. Okay, this is the biggest deal that the Chicago White Sox have ever handed out. That one blew my mind a little bit. I picked him to go to the Cubs. You picked him to go to the Rangers. Kind of the same wavelength also on that front that teams that probably needed a guy early in that lineup that could get, you know, on base, hit for average. The White Sox do it. It seems like a pretty good fit. I've got to say, I'm just surprised that that is their biggest contract they've ever handed out. I know it's it's absolutely shocking. But yeah, I like this for them. They have a lot of players who get injured and, and maybe a lot of players who can hit for power like a Luis Robert. And I, I think Ben Benintendi gives them kind of stability and consistency in the lineup day to day. Like Tim Anderson gets hurt a lot. Uh, Luis Robert is more of a, um, you know, power hitter, like I said. So uh, this gives you kind of that, that day to day consistency. He's used to the AL central makes sense for them. But yeah, like you said, it, it's pretty shocking about the contract. Jacob deGrom, this one I picked to go to the Rangers. You picked to go to the Mets. I feel like that was a give or take there. Uh, There were a lot of reports at the time we were doing the podcast picks that he was either going to re-sign with the Mets or go to the Rangers. So it was basically one or the other. I took the one Mm -hmm. that was right on that one. And, uh, you know, the Rangers are a pretty good fit, in my opinion. I I like the move. I think that the Rangers rotation looks a heck of a lot better now. Yeah, I love I, I love this Rangers team overall with what they've done in terms of the aggressiveness in the front office, adding Bruce Bochy as a manager who I love Bruce Bochy and, you know, Jacob DeGrom. We'll, we'll see if he can stay healthy, but I, you know, I love the risk for the Rangers. Sneaky playoff pick right there with that team. Justin Verlander leaving the Astros. I picked him to go to the Astros. You picked him to go to the Dodgers. Instead, he goes to the New York Mets. And uh, that is a lethal one-two punch there with Max Scherzer. 
Yeah, once DeGrom left the Mets, I, I if we would have predicted this, I feel like one of us might have ended up with the, the Mets at that point, just knowing that, hey, they needed somebody to kind of fill in for him. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it is that old pitchers. But, like, I feel like with both Verlander and Max Scherzer, they're both, like, from the Nolan Ryan ilk, where, like, it wouldn't surprise you if they're pitching till they're 43, 45. Carlos Rodon, uh, I picked him to go to the Orioles. I felt like that team needed to make a big move. They didn't, and I'm a little surprised by it. Uh, you picked the Rangers. You were on the right wavelength there of the Rangers trying to target starters. Instead, he goes to the Yankees, and it's not surprising because the Yankees' sales pitch to Aaron Judge was, we're going to make some moves to try and build a team around you to try and win a championship instead of just signing you and, and that being the one move. And so they did just that. Now they arguably have the best rotation in baseball. Do they have the best rotation in baseball? Does this put them over the top? I'd have to think it more thoroughly through and, and look at everything next to each other, but it's, it's hard to argue because Garrett Cole is as good pretty much as any other one in the MLB. If you know Carlos Rodon's your number two, if he pitches like he did last year, he's as good, if not better, than any number two in the MLB. When Luis Severino's right, like he is a true all-star level pitcher. Man, Nestor Cortez was an all-star. It probably is just off the top of my head without overthinking it too much. I just, what I don't understand, you have, uh, with going back to the Giants, you didn't trade him at the deadline. Then you allowed the Yankees, who already were spending more money than you, to go out and get this guy. Like, what, what's going on here? Yeah, it, it's a weird thought process. The, the Giants blew my mind with how they handled him. Uh, Chris Bassett to the Toronto Blue Jays. I picked him to go to the Angels. You picked him to go to the Giants. I feel like our thought process was similar. Teams that needed starting pitching, a guy that eats innings, a guy that's going to keep a relatively low ERA. Instead, he goes to the Blue Jays, and, and quite frankly, I look at this as almost a response to them losing Robbie Ray from a year ago. Um, is this a good move for the Blue Jays? Yeah, I love Chris Bassett. His curveball is super elite, and um, I, I, I like that Blue Jays rotation. It's not as good as, as maybe the uh... – the Yankees that we just discussed, but like Chris Bassett, I, I think even some of his peripherals liked his, what he did last season better than maybe even some of the stats showed. So I like that uh, for the blue Jays. And uh, I think that kind of adds some depth to their uh, starting five, but obviously you do have questions about, you know, if you're Chris Bassett, what's that going to do to like, if you just talk fantasy value, because he is in that division. Nathan Ivaldi, I picked him to go to the Dodgers. You picked him to go to the Giants. He instead goes to the Rangers. I mean, it, kind of back to the whole point that we had on DeGrom. This is a really solid, thorough rotation. Probably for the first time, I would say, since when they made it to the World Series in 2011. Yeah, I, I love this move for them. I thought somebody was going to be getting a, a nice little deal with Nathan Ivaldi because he had kind of a down year. But I think still some of the different peripherals thought that maybe he could have had a better season. He's been a really good pitcher the past few years with the Red Sox. Now he goes to the Rangers. Love that move for them. Noah Syndergaard, we picked him. Very different spots. I I said the Padres. You said the Blue Jays. He is staying on the West Coast. He's going to the Dodgers. You know, first reaction to this, I was a little surprised. But if there's a guy that could turn him around, that's Mark Pryor. Let, let's not forget, just a few years ago, he was a guy that was in Cy Young contention. He was a guy that, that was throwing high velocity and he's just kind of fallen off. And so I, I wonder if Pryor is going to kind of bring that out of him, uh, kind of the way that you saw from Anderson a year ago. For a lot of pitchers, it takes a year back after Tommy John. And last year was the first year back. The velocity was down. I wouldn't be surprised to see it jump a little bit this year with the Dodgers. I, I, 
I'm really interested to see what he can do now because of the fit where he's at. But yeah, I felt like I had the right process. I thought the Blue Jays would get a pitcher. I thought the Giants would go kind of bargain bin hunting in the pitching. I just picked the wrong pitchers to those spots. The last guys that we picked, uh, Sean Manaya. I picked him to go to the Giants. You picked him to go to the Orioles. He goes to the Giants. We had Zach Eflin. I had him going to the Cardinals. You had him going to the Royals. He goes to the Rays. Uh, we kind of skipped over Araldis Chapman. He's still up for debate right now whether he's even signing with the team. Uh, Kenley Jansen, I picked him to go to the Dodgers. You picked him to go to the Rangers. He goes to the Red Sox. Um, our special picks that we had at the start of this thing, I picked Josh Bell to go to the Astros. Instead, he goes to the Guardians. You picked Brandon Nimmo to go to the Giants. Instead, he goes to the Mets. Or actually, vice versa. He goes to the uh, – yeah, yeah, there he is. He, you picked him to go to the Giants. He goes to the Mets. And then Brandon Drury was one of our add-ons. I picked him to go to the Dodgers. You picked him to go to the Rockies. Instead, he goes to the Angels. Trey Mancini, I thought he was going to re-sign with the Orioles. You picked him to go to the Marlins. He goes to the Cubs. Taylor Rogers, you nailed. You said Giants. He goes to the Giants. I picked the Dodgers. Any of these that stand out to you, who is going to be the best signing out of this crew? Well, for me, it's the Rogers one because that in the end was the difference in you having to shotgun the beer. Um, and I love that you have the twins with Taylor and Tyler Rogers on the same team. That's going to be really fun. Uh, but as far as which player will probably be best, I don't know, probably Brandon Nimmo with the Mets. I know it's a bit of a risk with how much money they gave him, but he's like a really good player. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think that's a good signing. Um, in my opinion, I'm, I'm intrigued by Kenley Jansen of the Red Sox. They've needed some bullpen help. Uh, they haven't really had a true closer for the past couple seasons. So going to be intriguing to see how he does in the heat of the moment in Boston. That's a really tough crowd to pitch in front of, especially as I began in the start of this thing. If they do win games early on, I don't expect him to blow him out. So he'll have to be very, very vital to that team if they at least try to make a shot at it this year. Okay, before we go, we have our glass half full or half empty. This is our shotgun 12 pack, if you will. Out of these guys that we talked about, real quickly, we're going to say whether this is a glass half full moment for them fantasy-wise or they're trending down glass half empty for their fantasy stock. I'm going to start with Trey Turner, Derek. Is it glass half full or glass half empty now he's in the Phillies? Half full. Love uh, all the guys who can bop him in for mine. Honestly, it might be actually even because he, he had a lot of those at the Dodgers too. But uh, uh, if anything, it's it's half full. Bigger it's bases too. Half full for me. I think that's a great opportunity uh, to be able to be in that lineup. I think it may be a better lineup. Uh, excited to see his fantasy stock go up. Xander Bogarts, half glass full or glass half empty? Glass half empty for me. I don't love that ballpark for him. He's not a guy who had a bunch of home runs or power last year, and this is only going to make it worse because he was able to at least rack up a bunch of doubles off the green monster. It's going to be a little tougher in uh, Petco. Dansby Swanson, glass half full, glass half empty. Um, about the same, to be honest, I, I guess glass half empty because there's less lineup protection. Yeah, I could see the same. I think that the ballpark might help out a little bit, but I'm going to go glass half empty as well. Carlos Correa, he stays with the twins. Is it going to be glass half empty, glass half full or right in the middle? Well, I guess in dynasty leagues, it's now glass half empty because we have serious health concerns about him long-term, but in a one-year league, I think glass half full, he gets a little more comfortable with the same ballpark in year two. Jacob DeGrom, glass half full, glass half empty. Now that he's in Texas. Uh, glass half full, I guess, but it, it's all dependent on the health, and that's almost impossible to guess. But I do like that for a pitcher's park. I think glass half full as well. The pitcher's park is great. He's going to face lesser competition, lesser bats. I, I like the situation, actually. Uh, Justin Verlander, glass half full, glass half empty now that he is in New York. I think, to me, it's glass half full. 
full, I guess, because I think Buck Showalter is going to let him go really deep into games. So maybe that means more strikeouts, but if that leads to more fatigue and injuries, then that could be a negative. So I'm leaning glass half full, but I am a little bit worried. Glass half empty for me. I think that it's going to be tougher competition offensively. Um, and he's getting older. So something he obviously can't control. All right. Last one we got here. Carlos Rodon, glass half full, glass half empty. Now that he's in New York. Glass half empty just because of the division and the ballpark. I do think he is kind of built for that ballpark more than some other guys, though, because he is such a strikeout pitcher that he'll avoid a lot of the bats and a lot of the contact that it'll be fine anyway. But yeah, you're not going to have the same ERA you had in your home games in Yankee Stadium that you had in Oracle Park. Well, I echo that exact same statement. That is our first podcast here in 2023. On behalf of Derek Johnson, I'm Dusty Baker. Thanks again for pulling up a bar school and hanging with us. We're going to do this a lot more throughout the rest of the year. Let's grab a drink once again in two weeks. We will talk to you again with more glass half full, glass half empty opportunities. Until then, though, we will talk to you soon. Cheers.